everyone, and welcome to the Throwback Bookstack. As always, I am one of your hosts, Kelly. And I am Emily. And we are a podcast, if you haven't listened before, where every two weeks we get together, we reread a book that we read as kids, that we loved as kids, and now we're going back as adults to reread it and judge the book and ourselves accordingly. And this week, guess what? We have a special friend. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. today we have a friend this is alex welcome to the podcast alex hey thanks you know like i've been listening to you guys for a while now you know i'm, I'm just glad that we're finally getting the straight white male opinion on here because that's that's really what it needs are you all right over there that's how i treat the most of <laughs> i'm just gonna make a note to cut it this whole section oh, out God. all of this no, but uh, thank you very much. Uh, I was really excited to be here, and especially with this book. Okay, so that means we should probably talk about what the book this week is. So this week we're reading My Teacher is an Alien by Bruce Coville. It was published in 1989, and this is a book that Alex and I have both read, and Emily, you have not. No, I never read it. Uh, I kind of feel like I heard about it generally as a kid, but it never interests me. I never read it. So, Alex, I guess the question here is, why are you here? Um, like, this is actually a question I'm asking. Okay. Alex, why are you here? <laughs> well, the door was open, and... Uh, no, uh, so when Emily and I were at the bar one night, as as we would do from time to time, she was showing me, uh, you know, the sort of list of potential books and everything that you guys were thinking about talking about. My Teacher is an Alien is one that popped out to me because I loved this book as a kid. I think I... Picked it up at one of the, probably like the Scholastic Book Fair, you know, like the the best time for every nerd when they're going through elementary school <laughs> is when they roll out those weird shelving things that are all metal and anyway. And I think hey I picked kids, it. kids, welcome to your, your tiny Disneyland. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Uh, for, for, a, for a very certain subset of kids, that was very important. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I bought it there and just sort of instantly fell in love with it. My my dad was a big sci-fi fan and everything, had a bunch of Carl Sagan and Isaac Asimov, and I, I read this book as a kid, I loved it, read the rest of the series, loved that. I think I told Emily the story of, like, when... I think it was sometime maybe at the end of the series or whatever, or right before the last book, I wrote the one and only fan letter I'd ever written to Bruce Koval, and he actually, like, wrote me back with, like, you know, a signed letter and everything, and saying, like, thanks for, you know, being a fan and all that, sent me, and he sent me the first chapter of Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher, just, like, printed out from his home computer, and I was sort of like, this is amazing, like, you know, this, uh, and it, I remember, like, it was, it was a whole thing, like, my mom had to, like, look up the address for this guy, or for his publishing house, or whatever, but, yeah, it was a huge thing, and I remember just loving him and loving these books when I was a kid. That's awesome. That's I'm now sad I never wrote him a letter because I would have liked to have gotten a little bit of a sneak peek because I read all of his books. Is he? Is he? Is he still alive? Is it? Are, <laughs> yes. Are, are I possible? He's still alive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I okay, have a new talking. Okay, okay look, look, look up his address. You look up his address. I'll talk. Um, I read all of his books as a kid. Uh, my favorite was probably Aliens Ate My Homework. I was super into that series. I still remember waiting for the next ones to come out and just being like, we have to wait. 
There's a book I want to read and I have to wait. I can't, I can't emotionally deal with this. I love Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher. I'm also from a very sci-fi heavy household. We just had like just shelves and shelves of everything from Anne McCaffrey to Alan Dean Foster to Carl Sagan. So that was just kind of the day to day. So this was really part of how I got introduced into that world of alien literature. And it was really something I loved. And my parents were happy to always sort of help me in that quest. So I read all, all of his books. I still have a whole bunch of them in my parents' garage somewhere. And I'm really sad I don't know where. And Emily's looking at me like I'm a human monster. No, I was more just wondering if I should butt in right here and be like, my family also likes sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> just because I didn't read this book didn't mean we didn't like sci-fi. That's true. In fact, my dad one time gave me A Princess of Mars, which is referenced in this book, to read when I was homesick. When you were a kid, did you say like? Uh, Even as a like, kid, like, I remember whoa, thinking this like, is super not appropriate. Racist, <laughs> it turns out. Yeah. Um, Dad, I mean, it's not not a bad book, an underrated movie. I, I think. Do have a lot of questions but, about the books our parents gave us as children. <laughs> I was given Anne McCaffrey in junior high. There was a lot of very questionable, non-consensual sex in those books. <laughs> Like a lot. Like a lot. So let's say in fourth grade, my dad took away A Catcher in the Rye from me because he said it wasn't appropriate, but then he let me read Uncle Tom's Cabin, and I was like, so what is your idea of appropriate? (laughs) In conclusion, parents, you don't understand. (laughs) Sorry. Just wanted to stick up for my sci-fi credit. Uh, Bruce Koval update. Still alive. Yes! Still alive, guys. Bruce, you're out there. You're fucking awesome. Thanks very much. I read this series. I read, I only read the first Jeremy Thatcher book. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't know there were other ones. So it's not, okay, so Um, that one's complicated because it's not like other books in that series. It's basically a set of four books that are about the magic shop. So there's mm. Jennifer Murdley's Toad, which was actually the first of the magic shop books I read. And so it's, it's about different things that are purchased. That's, I, you know, now that you say that, I remember that. I don't think I read the other ones, but I do remember that it was like the magic shop series. I read, I read this one and I read the Camp Haunted Hills series. Which I think I liked, but the My Teacher is an Alien was really where it was at. I um, think Jennifer Murdley's Toad actually might have been my first Bruce Koval book, which is wild to me because I'm just remembering that now. I'm like, wait, that, that was the first one, right? I wonder if I did read that. that I don't know. That yeah. title, at least, is familiar yeah. to me. It's because Scholastic Book Fair, you saw it. I'm sure I did. It I'm sure you. I did. I may or may not have brought this book out the last time I visited my folks or had it shipped out. And... I can't remember because I had the whole, you know, the whole series like mm. in actual like paperback, but I couldn't find it in my apartment and just bookshelves upon bookshelves and boxes of books that I have sitting around. But so I had to read it on a on an ebook, which I think both of you guys did too. I did um, that too, which was very weird because I also um, know I know I have the physical copy still. I remember seeing it last time I had to go through stuff in my parents' garage, so I know it's there, but somehow the effort was too much. But what was what was missing in this ebook version that I that I got from the library was. Like there, there'd be like one per chapter of like these pictures that were like the drawn in the eighties that mm-hmm. were like, yeah, this is a kid's book, but these pictures were like kind of creepy. They were like pencil drawings or whatever that, that were, were definitely was like, oh, this is actually kind of scary and, and not kid friendly and everything. And that was what I remember about at least the first book that I think that I think in, in subsequent books, it gets a little bit more cartoony, a little bit more kid friendly in the in the illustrations that are there. But in that first book, I remember it was like this kind of dark kind of like, oh, this is, there's something you know not kid like about this book. I do feel like this was really popular when I was little. Like I definitely heard of it when you guys mentioned it. I was like, I recognize the name and like the author's name was familiar. Obviously on my radar when I was a kid, I never felt like I would like it. 
I was right. Oh. <laughs> All right, Sorry. before we start Sorry. this battle, okay. I'm going to summarize the book for you. For those of you that haven't listened to our <clears throat> podcast before, we love to spoil everything because we want you to be in the conversation with us. So um, if you haven't read this book, if you're going to read this book, pause the podcast, take an hour to read the book, come on back. This book is the story of Susan, and she is a student who goes to class one day and finds that her fun-loving, exciting teacher, Mrs. Schwartz, has been replaced with a substitute. Um, the new substitute is really hard. He is really hardcore. He is not fun. He has no desire for joy in his life. And it's really hard for all the students. She ends up uh, at one point passing this note to a friend that is somewhat inappropriate and gets mixed up in all of the paperwork. So she decides the solution to this is to break into his house. While trying to rescue the note, she finds that her teacher, her previous teacher, is being held hostage in a force field in the house. And in fact, their teacher is, as the title says, an alien. And he is here to kidnap several students. Um, he intends to kidnap the best students, the worst students, and three of the most average students to sort of get a full spectrum of Earth youth. And at this point, she brings in Peter, who is this kid in her class that gets bullied a lot, but they have kind of a friendship thing going. And, and he reads a lot of sci-fi, and that's he, she yeah. thinks that he would be open to this idea. He seems the most likely to, to figure out that it's okay, but she still sort of plays it off as like a joke at first, and then he finds that it's real when they're in there. And so basically they realize, oh no, our teacher is an alien, he's here to kidnap students, we need to go and solve this and rescue the entirety of humanity. So they kind of come up with a plan to go in again and like take some photos and they end up drafting the in the bully that um Duncan Dougal. Duncan Dougal, who is the bully that harasses Peter all the time. Meanwhile, the rumor gets out about the fact that their teacher is an alien who is here to kidnap people. So you'll see students acting uh out of the ordinary where really good students start misbehaving to try and not get kidnapped. And really terrible students like Duncan try and behave, so they are also not on the list. All, all the kids are behaving abnormally because the rumor's gotten around. They're still trying to figure out how they can save themselves, as well as uh, Mrs. Schwartz, who they find in the yeah. house in a force field. And they try and take pictures of her to be prove that she is trapped there, but instead they, all of course, because they are photos taken of a force field, do not develop correctly. In the end, what happens is there is a band concert at school. Because all these aliens hate music. And there's sort of been this subplot about how Susan is a piccolo player. And they're trying to do the song that they are failing at. And the end, they play it. They torment this alien Broxholm so much that he ends up revealing he's an alien to everyone, including the parents. And runs away. Uh, but Peter goes with him. Peter helps him escape and decides he's going to go with him. Because he thinks that this alien isn't actually out here for nefarious purposes. Um, so in the end of the book, the alien is gone. Everyone is safe except Peter has taken off on the spaceship with Broxholm into outer space, um, which does be come up later because this is the first in a multi-part series. I don't normally zone out during your summaries, but you said Duncan Dougal, and I was like, I thought Duncan McDougal is some Scottish lord who died in a horrific way. And I looked it up and I was right! <laughs> Coming to this now as an adult who reads a lot of comics, I also appreciated the alliteration and the names. Uh, it's very sort of comic trope of, you know, with, with Susan Simmons and mm -hmm. Duncan Dougal. I was sort of surprised that they didn't do something with Peter Thompson. Peter Thompson is the most um, boring name, so of course he gets to go with the alien. 
I, as a person who has read it before, you, Alex, as a person who has read it before, mm -hmm. what was your feeling now reading this as an adult? I love this book. This <laughs> book is amazing. I still love it as an adult. Um, as I was saying, I read this on, on like, all but the last chapter on a plane. I am a notoriously slow reader, self-described, but this one, I, I mean, and it is, you know, it's a short book. It's not lengthy, but I, I flew right through it. And I remembered thinking that this this was something that, um, as a kid, I didn't read a lot of books that took place from a girl's point of view. You know, this was first-person Susan. It wasn't necessarily that it was distinct in this, but I think that that was sort of like a, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, all these kids are just going through their own shit or whatever. I And then I remember, like, the, the, the subsequent books taking place from, I think the second one takes place in Duncan's view, um, the third one takes place in Peter's, and I think the fourth one kind of goes between all three of them. I think um, sounds right. If, if, memory, if memory serves. I loved it after, immediately after reading it, I was thinking, like, I really wish I wasn't on a plane, because I would just, and I also was like, I should have just downloaded all four of these from Amazon and just bought them digitally, because then I would have just had them forever, whether or not I can find my damn <laughs> physical copies <laughs> in my garage anymore. No, I, I loved it, and Emily, uh, your face right now it feel, makes me feel like we can't be friends after this anymore, and that's okay. Were because, we friends before? Uh, you know. Debatable. Yeah. Um, this podcast is about tearing people apart. That's actually the secret underlying motive of this podcast. So I'm really happy we're finally, after all these episodes, achieving this. Um, awesome. I really thought my side of the mountain was going to be that moment. But um, I know, I know. I, I just love how this podcast is about rending friendships. We really are finding the differences in the books we read as kids. It makes me wonder, would we have been friends when we were 12? I mean, probably, because I'm not really that discerning about who I was friends with. And when you're then, 12, but... as we've established during Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, if you're trapped in the same school as someone... Your friends. So um, I'm actually, I uh, before you get into hating it, no, I on. think, I feel like I should give one more positive thought before, like, this starts. Um, so I liked it. I don't think I loved it as much as Alex. Um, I think part of that is a function of the fact that this wasn't my favorite Bruce Cobo book as a kid. I was really, really, really into The Aliens Ain't My Homework, which are a bit longer, and I feel like that series is a little more complex. Like, I think it's a, it, it's a slightly older read, just, like, a little bit. So now I'm going to go back and read those because I could be totally wrong on that. But I think that was more um, something for me because it was there was a lot more, like, this kid dealing with aliens in a really interesting way. So I think it was because this wasn't my favorite Bruce Coville schoolhouse student dealing with aliens <laughs> <laughs> book. Um, but I, I did like it a lot. Um, I thought it was fun. I felt like I didn't have quite the engagement I expected, but I still really liked it. I still feel like I came in wanting this book to be kids dealing with the problem of their teacher being an alien. And I love the fact that the alien gets revealed to parents because so often in these books, you have an alien. The kids know. No one else ever knows. Here, everyone's like, yeah, that person was an alien. It got revealed. Like, it was sort of a known thing, and I found that really exciting. I, I had fun reading it. I'm glad I read it. It didn't, like, make me fall super in love with it again, but I was like, man, this is a fun read. I'm super glad we did this book. And Emily, your face. Go. All right, come on, little black ring. Bring crowd. it. Okay, so here's what I have to say about this, is that this book makes me, especially sitting here with you guys... Little Black Rain Cloud. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that weird Winnie the Pooh reference. You're welcome. It makes me feel the same way I do about my sister's loving Twilight. 
which is that... How dare you? That's her fault. <laughs> That's really her fault. I know. You go straight to hell. My sisters don't really read much, but they love Twilight, and I never want to bash it in front of them, because, like, I don't like Twilight for many reasons, but, like, they read it, and it was the only thing they read recently, really, and they loved it, and so, like, I don't want to shit all over that. Now, uh, just real quick, your sisters are not 13. No, they're older than me. Okay. By a yeah. lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just, uh, so, I mean, yeah, I feel like the, the audience for that is 13-year-old girls and, like, 40-year-old women. Well, uh, <laughs> you hit on one of those. Yeah. So, I feel almost bad about not liking this book because you I... You don't feel bad. No, because I know so many people loved it, and I know that it's something that I feel like a lot of people who didn't read a lot read these books, you know, people who were not like me. I read everything. I loved reading. It was my thing. It still kind of is. I love reading. I did not like this book though, man. Like, and what you said about it being one of the few books you read with like a girl lead character made me really sad because like she is a girl and there are so much better girl characters out there. I will agree with that because we've read so many amazing girl characters even just so far in this podcast. So why aren't you reading along with us, Alex? I just don't want that to be the girl character if you read a book because it felt like I, I have read a book since then <laughs> with other female characters <laughs> as the lead. But just, I mean, just, like... to, just to put it out there. But you know, in in 1989, Dallas, Texas area. You didn't was... read this in 1989, did I you? I read this when it came out. Yeah. Anyway, I guess my point is, like, she was a girl, and I. It's, it's such a weird struggle for me because on one hand, I get it. I'm the one who's always advocating that, like. You could change a boy character into a girl just by saying it's a girl. They're not a different species. But at the same time, I felt kind of like that's what he did. If this is going to be, like, it's a girl, I, I just didn't like her. <laughs> like, See, I related to her completely, so that's crazy to me. Because I felt, you know, she goes to school, she plays the piccolo, she lives her life. That yeah. felt really relatable. That, that was how I felt. She, I felt, was so Boring. I, I was know. also boring. Don't talk about me as a youth like that. You're like the least boring person I know, so I refuse to believe that's true. Yeah, I'm going to second that one. Even as a kid, it didn't stand out to me as somebody that was, you know, raised at a time when things were very, very gendered and all that. She's a girl and, you know, going through this or whatever, but that was the, the thing that sort of made me think, like, yeah, no, she's just a person dealing with this weird shit like any other person would. I would argue I, breaking into people's houses is not a gendered activity. Yeah, exactly. I would agree with because that. Because I, I would totally break into my teacher's house as a child. I would say that I guess I'm torn because on one hand, I I do appreciate when people don't write girls like so different, like they are a different thing, or like that guys can't write them because guys don't have any insight. And it's like, come on, like anyone can write. We're all humans. But at the same time... I still feel like sometimes when guys do write girls, it's so bland. And that's what I felt this was. And maybe I'm also biased because I haven't read his other characters. So, like, maybe his dudes are bland, too. And this is also my opinion. And I apologize. And I feel bad. Don't See? feel bad. No. This, is this podcast is not about feeling bad. Think how many books you like I've hated. I know. You guys are really into this book, though. <laughs> like, I, I don't I, get I, it. You know, and, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, there's definitely some of it that I'm sure comes from the fact that I read it as a kid. But I have revisited lots of things that I liked as a kid and uh, many times have said, like, young Alex was an idiot. This is terrible. And I don't know. This one I was just like, no. (laughs) 
nice job. Nice job, younger me. Also, yeah. you will have a chance to judge whether they're bland or not, because I will make you read Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to happen. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that this one sounds better on paper to me. The points you're making are great, and, like, on paper being like, it's about aliens, there's a girl as a lead, it's what? a fun 1980s romp through things. Like, that sounds dope. Like, and I think, like, when I finish this, you know, and I say this as, like, somebody that was just reading it and somebody that, you know, had read it when he was a kid, I also felt like, I want to read again what's next, you know, because while it is, you know, it is it is a full story and everything, it's also, as you sort of go through the series, it's laying a lot of pipe. And in in the second one, I do feel like they spend page or two, maybe, just being like, yeah, so this happened, I remember that, and that was crazy, but, like, summer's over now, so we're doing this, and it's like, hit the ground running, and, and it just kind of keeps going from there, and I, I really really wanted more from that i think that's one thing i also felt is i'm really curious to actually go back and read the rest of the series Mm -hmm. and i'm probably going to do that just because i do remember so much of the interplanetary politics stuff that comes up later and i kept expecting that to be here and it ended up being a much simpler story than i expected which is why i think what threw me a bit is because i remembered so much of the following three books yeah and kept waiting yeah, there's things a, that didn't happen. There's a lot of, in in the rest of the books. There's a lot of sort of weird, sort of es- existential ideas about like humanity and what it's doing and like uh, how it's like destroying the planet and all these things that were very sort of hey, let's maybe not screw everything up, uh, sort of thing. That was like a, an interesting thing to read as a kid. Yeah, for this first one, the cover is uh, says like my teacher is an alien. It's got a guy peeling his face off, showing he's an alien on it. You know, so it's got to deliver on that premise, and it absolutely does, and it maybe doesn't go super far past that. If anybody out there read this and is wondering, should I read, you know, I don't know, should I read the rest of them? Yeah, also, you know, because A, you've probably got three hours to kill. Uh, at some point. I would and, argue, though, if you didn't like this one, you probably shouldn't read the others because I feel like you do need a certain point to connect with this on some level. Because, yes, it is a simpler story. It's, hey, my teacher is an alien. What do I do? Like, it really is a simple lead-up. It really is the prologue to sort of this bigger story. But if you don't like this book, I don't think you'll like the others because I feel like in a certain way you do have to engage with this book enough to feel invested in these characters, enough to want to read the next one. Because don't put yourself through books you don't want to read. Like, there's too many books out there to do that, so I never want people to feel obligated to read things. Sure, yeah. I'm opposed to that. No, fair enough. But I think it gets deeper and better as the series goes on, if I recall. Again, having not read anything else. It's but... very, I'm very scared to make recommendations on the future ones also because I, again, have not read them since I was nine. I'm a committer. I say go for it. <laughs> Emily, how's your hatred doing in that corner? How's your phone? It's fine. I was just looking through my quotes. I feel like there was also a bunch of, like, weird and, like, very soft. Like, we've had much more problematic things. But, like, weird little sexist Yes! I did want to bring up the weird, the weird minor sexism. Yeah, there was a bunch of them. And they were always very little, but, like, just a lot. In the beginning, Susan's mother... I forget how this is even set up, but she says, Oh, Edward, my mother will reply... You seem to think you can treat Susan the same way you would a boy. Oh, it's about Susan, like, getting to, like, go out and do what she wants. And then there's one later. She says, what a stupid line. I'm glad I'm a girl, because when I get older, the guys are going to have to come up with the lines when they want to start a conversation. Now, there's one job I'll be glad to let them have. I hated that line so much. 
Uh, I found that deeply, deeply annoying. This one I think got me the most. She said, Peter said, come to think of it, that force field could be a woman's dream. She won't age a bit. Don't be a male chauvinist piglet, I said angrily. But, like, why even put that in? Even though she yells at him. It was like, and also, this is a joke that eight, not how old are they? Yeah, it like, sounds like a joke from a 45-year-old dude. Exactly. Like, it definitely, f- it, it like, felt very, like, you could see the author making the joke and not the, the, the character making the joke. Yeah. Yeah, that was not great. I didn't love those bits. And it was hard because, like, this book was so short and there was so, I don't know, like, I, I also feel like it was hard because they tried to set up a lot of backstory in just, like, one-sentence fragments and just, like, to have so many of the jokes and stuff be stuff like that was kind of, like, ugh, gross. And again, it is hard because I don't have nostalgia about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, and, well, and I think, like, that, all that stuff definitely, like, jumped out at me as, like, a oof. You know, that's very of its time. Mm-hmm. That's very, you know, that would not fly nowadays. And, yeah, and felt very, felt very dated, but... I don't know, it, it was not enough to make me think, like... Because it also doesn't... It doesn't add anything. But it doesn't... Uh, yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, I mean, those would obviously be cut out now. But it just... it Neither of those lines really felt authentic to the character. It felt like, I'm doing this this joke line, because we are going to joke about women. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no. Can we also talk about how often they talk about the, the substitute teacher being really hot? Yeah, so the Wikipedia summary for this, if you have not oh. looked it up, uh, please don't. Uh, but it refers to him as the new sexiest teacher... And, they and that's upsetting. It a couple of times in the book, like it's one of the first things they say when they see a new sub is they're like, "Well, he's pretty hot, though." I mean, and, okay, so you're an alien coming to Earth. Let's be real. You probably your experience with Earth culture that you've been able to access is probably through like our media and our television. So yes, you are definitely making that teacher hot as hell. And the one thing I thought was kind of weird was when they find out the the nice former teacher is being captured and like locked in the attic. And she's talking about how this even happened. Susan's like, how had Broxholm, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the alien safe, done this to her? Maybe the handsome creep had tricked her into going on a date with him. What a treat, a date with an alien. I could just imagine his line. Let's go to a film. Then I'll take you back to my house and lock you in a force field. What a rat. Like- I mean, to be fair, in certain contexts, that could be a very hot line. It's just such a weird, like... She's imagining how her teacher got there, and the first and only scenario that they play out isn't that she was, like, kidnapped or tricked in some other way. It's just, like, I bet they were like, hey, this hot guy wants to go to the movie. Just kidding! Locking you in my attic forever! Yeah. Yeah. That's not great. That... Yeah. Also, a nine-year-old? Nine I really don't know how Yeah, I would are. not have thought that as the, the natural thing as a kid. I would not have thought, definitely on a date, definitely not being kidnapped in a sort of, like, throwing you kidnapping. Especially, it's an alien. He could have transported her there for all we know. We don't know. Also, this book is really trying to convince you that the song Stars and Stripes Forever is awesome. It's not. It's really not. Yeah. I was abandoned. It's not. It's very, very bad. It's also not that hard. But it's annoying. It's, it's annoying. It's an annoying song to play. I didn't. I played drums, so I played the clarinet. What did you play? <laughs> Just assume that I played something in band. We Jesus met Christ. you. Yeah, yes. no, I played saxophone. Um, oh, fancy! Oh, the cool boy. Yeah. Uh, I also just wanted to point out that her dad is in an offhand thing said to his hobby is making toothpick 
models of famous buildings. Oh, yeah. Which is, honest to God, the most interesting thing that happens in this book. I was like, tell me more. I feel like there was a lot of toothpick art going on in the 80s. Like, people were just like, that's my hobby. I, I make toothpick. What a weird thing you know. to say. <laughs> it is. It, it's absolutely. We didn't have the internet then. All right. There's a lot less shit going on. <laughs> Model building, had, model building had already been done to death. People were building enough ships and bottles. They're like, what if I made this ship but out of toothpicks? The yeah. only thing I really remember about the 80s is singing Walk Like an Egyptian a lot. My sisters were big Bangles fans. Uh, so one thing I will want to say, uh, I realized while reading this book, is this is where book is where I got the word Philistine from. And I used it excessively through like age 9 through age 18. And this book is literally entirely to blame for that fact. Nice. They do love that insult. They mm-hmm. love it as an insult. They use it a lot, and I picked it up. I remember reading that section and going, wait, I remember reading this. This was where I got it, because I was like, this is the best word. I'm going to use this for everything. And I did. I did do that for nine years. Nice. All right, so, the characters. We established that you don't like Susan. Also, how many in, no. the, in the of the books we've read as children, how many main characters were named Susan? Kind of over this name. Mm. At least two. I think we've hit at least like three or four by now. That's fair. I resonated with her. I felt like, oh yeah, someone just living her life, working hard, trying to get through. But I guess my question is, did you feel any resonance with any of the other characters? The thing was, I didn't hate her. I just didn't like her. And I kind of felt the same way about all of them. Like, I just, it was hard for me with this book because like, I was just kind of like, (laughs) they inspired no strong feelings either way. (laughs) I was like, these are kids... Who are there, I suppose. Well, and I think that in a book, like, you need to, you know, if you can have a great story, you can either have a great story, great characters, if you can do both, fucking great. Uh, And this one, I think, leaned heavily on story and not so much on characters. It sort of, you know, kind of drew them as sort of broad outlines and everything, which, again, I seem to recall getting drilled down a little bit more as the books went on. But they are, you know, you have... Peter, who is your nerd. You have Susan, who is your sort of overachiever. You have Duncan, who's your bully. Yeah, that's um, your standard party to go adventuring with. Yeah, they're all sort of broadly drawn and, yeah, maybe not drilled down as much, as, certainly as I recall in, in this. But again, memories are probably... We need to read these other books I, yeah, I, I really feel do, like so like, much of them a, I'm just casting from those future books. Because there's a, there's a lot, like, in, in, the, in the second one which I don't know how much you want to talk about or whatever, but I remember, like, Duncan is is the focus of the second book, and he gets, like, flowers for Algernon. And, and like, they, they start, like, uh, another alien teacher starts experimenting on him to make him smarter, and he's worried that that might leave him because he's starting to realize, like, all these things that he missed when he was kind of just a dumb bully. Um, things get weird in the future yeah, books. Like, I, a lot of things happen. They, then you spend, like, a whole book with Peter, like, off with the in aliens. Space, yeah, learning about space, space politics. Um... Yeah, and, and it all sort of comes Susan full does circle. really get the shaft for the solo, like for the solo focus books because this is definitely the least complex of them. Yeah, and yeah, hey, why did she, yeah? Okay, and again, I she don't got know the shaft for this. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. I I, I think the I think the fourth one. The fourth was sort is all of, of them rotating through through them, but I don't. Yeah, I think that was how how it went down. And she does kind of sort of embody that leader of the group for these in the end. But it's yeah, she does get I think the worst draw on the sort of 
amount of action in the solo books. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that that's that that can be uh, you know a function a lot of times of with your first one when you're having to sort of establish you know the rules of this world and and whatever. In this case, it's like it's our world and there are aliens or whatever. You say that like our world now is in our world, but with aliens. Well, I don't. I, don't, I, I haven't seen any aliens yet. I. So another thing that explains a lot about me is. As a kid, I went to our library. I went to the card catalog. Shoop, pulled it out. Took the whole alien section of the card catalog out and methodically went through every single book about aliens and UFOs in our library. Wow. We had a paranormal shelf. I read all of them. I learned all about palmistry as a kid. I learned all about, like, the Easter Island sculptures. I learned all about Stonehenge. And I learned all about, like, weird alien conspiracy books. Fun fact, your local library probably had a lot of books in the 80s of weird alien conspiracies. Because mine was a small county library and definitely had like two shelves of alien conspiracy books. My parents did not really check what books I read. <laughs> was a thing I realized now of like, I read a lot of weird stuff as a kid. This explains why I spent a lot of my youth really c- concerned like about alien abduction. Like I wasn't scared of fire or earthquake, but alien abduction was my like number one concern as a kid. I got nothing for that. I, I don't know. Uh, Do you still think that the Easter Island statues in Stonehenge were made for aliens? No. The pause there, though. <laughs> Those, no. Those! Those, no. Those, no. Pyramids, oh my god. No comment. I was waiting for something even weirder than the pyramids. Like, those, no. The White House? <laughs> Mayan and Egyptians are doing the same thing. Look, with the White House... Do the math, man! That's a different story. I mean, you need to get into sort of the ongoing alien... Anyway, never mind. So I (laughs) did not look up alien facts as a kid. That's all I have to say. I took out the card catalog for UFOs, and I took out the card catalog for cats. Those were my two sections of the library. I have no response to (laughs) that. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I read, I, I, you know, I read a lot of like random sci-fi stuff as a kid and a lot of random mystery stuff as a kid because my, my dad was a big sci-fi fan. My mom was a big mystery fan. I remember reading like all of. Isn't the universe the biggest mystery? (sighs) (laughs) Boo. (laughs) You know, I have to be on this podcast too and I do not appreciate it. No one out there will ever see the, the look of disdain on Emily's face as, as she just had to absorb that. Someday I'm just going to start <laughs> webcasting this and not tell her. It probably wouldn't be hard. I'm not very observant about those things. <laughs> also, she would never know because she doesn't listen to these. So This is also true. <laughs> That's a fair point. Uh, so yeah, uh, but yeah, so characters... I do want to say <laughs> the two side characters I actually resonated most with, um, there was this really minor, super minor... Uh, Side plot happening. Was it with the two goody two shoes yeah, kids? Yeah, so the two goody two shoes kids, when realizing they they find out about this alien situation, and their response is to then just yell at each other and cuss at each other and get in fights and try and like downgrade their status. And I'm like, if I were in this situation, I would be one of those two kids. Like that would absolutely be my response. And so I love them just going around causing trouble and being very very bad at it. Those kids when they were older definitely fucked too. Like like that was. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Actually, the same <laughs> Like, they went, like, at some point, like, senior year of high school, like, it, like, they re-met and just, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you remember that time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wanna, you wanna act out again? Like, Friday night? Backseat of my car? I like that they went to prom together. Yeah. Aw. Mm-hmm. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Gross. Guys, gross. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I am so, the only one with a beautiful romantic heart in this room. That's so true. Yeah, oh my no god. Here. Stone um, cold. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. It seems super 80s. That, I mean, that's true. It's the type of thing that, um, like, you see a lot of a lot of movies now and everything sort of setting themselves in, like, the 80s or the 90s or, or you know, because there are so many things that are just like, we can solve this now in 10 minutes with a cell phone and access to the internet. And uh, when you don't have those types of things, it's like, okay, yeah, we're, you know, even, even now, because these kids are somewhere, I'd say, I, I think they're in like sixth grade. So that to me says like 11, 12 or something like that. Nowadays, I think those kids probably have cell phones. I don't know because I don't have children and never will. I will die alone. What's up, internet? Uh, you know, everything has to be solved by by the, the thing of the 80s. Like we have to actually talk to each other. We occasionally have to call each other's home phones or whatever. We don't know what's going on in each other's lives because there's a whole lot of allusions to Peter and, like, her her asking him, like, you know, well, won't your dad care that you're skipping school? And he's like, no. As long as I don't get in trouble, my dad doesn't, you know, he doesn't give two shits about me. Uh, which comes up in the subsequent books uh, as Peter is left at the end of this one. The, the second one, I think, has a lot to do with, like, his dad sort of... I think, I think it's intimated in, in the second one was had always sort of been like a deadbeat and was maybe like kind of a town drunk or something like that. And then after his kid goes missing is just like the the town drunk whose kid ran off with an alien. And uh, so now he's sort of like wandering around. Which is a very complex re- like reputation to have. Yeah. Town drunk plus alien kidnapped kid. Like I do think there's a very good podcast out there and just ripping apart pre-90s books based on how this book would have ended if they had cell phones. Which is pretty much also our Killing Mr. Griffin episode. I will say there was one book, or one book, there was one quote in this book that I did enjoy, which was at the very beginning, and Duncan is making fun of Peter, and he says, why do you read so much? Don't you know how to watch TV? (laughs) That's a really funny insult. I think it's supposed to not be as funny as I think it is. I have a deep, so speaking of quotes, I have a deep-seated love in the really, really corny, terrible phrases in this book that she uses, such as, quote, sixth grade was going bad faster than a dead fish on a hot day. (laughs) Which were then later on followed by, quote, I was as nervous as a marshmallow at a bonfire. I remember that one. I rolled my eyes. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, no, there... She used that a lot, and they were so... I was like, Susan, why are you telling dad jokes? Yeah, I well, I mean, like, and they and they sort of show a little bit. Like, I, I think she's, I think she's very much sort of, you know, a daddy's girl and that type of thing. And I think the author's sort of dad joke thing coming out and yeah. showing through a, a an eleven or twelve year old girl that's like, yeah, like reading this. I'm like, okay, but then if you hear that coming out of a kid, you know, if you're like, what's wrong with you? What, I what, yeah, I was on one who hand. Who you? desperately charmed by it in the sense that they kept leaning into it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you see that once and you're like, okay, the author's leaking through. I see you. You do that a couple times and it's like, all right, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. I will embrace this. Yeah. Any other quotes that you liked, Emily, or hated? Any other quotes you hated? No. There wasn't much that was notable, I guess, was my problem. Was that it was all just kind of like... Ugh. I think that has to do, uh, you know, in in part with the idea that this was sort of 
plot driven rather than character driven and so there's not a lot of things that are gonna stand out i did appreciate there was a certain amount of authenticity though in the way they went with things because for instance they're like hey we're gonna break into this teacher's house which is objectively a terrible plan we have seen high school students fail at this plan in other books those high school students were dumb they were very, very bad. My note on that chapter in here was compare and contrast the terrible ideas of Susan and Peter to the kids of Killing Mr. Griffin. But I think the fact that it's a terrible plan, but the whole time going in, they realize they don't have a plan is very, very real. Because if you decide you're breaking into a teacher's house and you are Susan's age, you're probably not going to have a great plan. And I think they really were authentic to the fact that they didn't have a good plan and just sort of pulled Duncan in because we need a lookout. And they, I felt like they really leaned into the fact that we don't have a plan, we're just going to do this thing, which I very much appreciated being probably the realist approach that you could have to, I'm breaking into a teacher's house and I need to find a way to make this work within the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that did feel real. They just kind of showed up and they're both like, how do we do this? And they're yeah. both like, I don't know, what am I, a burglar? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you both are now. Yeah, I mean, yes, na- now you are. Now you're before, both criminals. Before, yeah, before you were not, now you They could have gone a very good direction with this afterwards, with Susan becoming some sort of, like, dark side of the law criminal, that she, now she's got a taste of it, and now that she's realized, because yeah. in this book, she doesn't feel like she has a lot of allies. I mean, when she mentioned to her parents, when they the rumor gets to the parents that there's this whole alien rumor, and she says, well, what would you do if I didn't believe it? And her parents are like, well, we'll put you in counseling. Like, she doesn't have a lot of outside allies in this, and she was right. So if she went a little dark side of the law after this, I wouldn't blame her, and I think that would be a really exciting direction for her to go in as a person. Yeah. And and I think, like, one of the reasons that I I, I think, like, as a a kid, and even now as, like, an adult related to this book, was, like, as a kid, I remember, like, seeing a lot of, you know, Peter and myself as, like, the, the sort of outsider weird nerd that was, like, reading things. But I also saw a lot of Susan because, like, she also, you know, people know her, people like her just fine, but she doesn't, she doesn't have any friends that really that she goes to on this type of thing. And, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't really have any close friends or anything like that. I mean, I knew a lot of people I was acquainted with. You know, because you're all, you said on your uh, uh, Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret podcast, you know, you're, you're all just in this situation together. And you're just like, I guess we will hang out because we are all here. And our options are limited. First off, I don't believe you because you played saxophone, so we know now you were cool. Stop lying. <laughs> Second, I'm really proud of you doing a reference to prove you that you listen to our podcast. Hey, you know what? You're welcome. Uh, Wait, did you live somewhere where saxophone players were cool? Yeah. I mean, in the band scale of things. Like, you may be cool, but you're still in band, so, like... I think that's actually... Like, that's not, like, super... I guess there is Ron Swanson, Duke Silver. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll give you that. Yeah, no, and that was not around when I was a child. What? No, yeah. (laughs) This was before Bill Clinton played saxophone on Arsenio Hall, so... Oh, I didn't see that, but I remember he was in the opening credits of Animaniacs playing saxophone. (laughs) I do actually think... I never feel older than when I'm hanging out with people. Okay. <laughs> this is why I don't have friends. Okay, go... I'm not that go much on. younger go than you. Go on, Kelly. Alex is the oldest in the room, and this is very pleasing to me now. It's no longer me. You're not that much younger. I feel like with Susan, maybe that is really, I think, the problem I had with the character was the fact that she didn't have any friends, which is fine. Like, again, I didn't exactly have super lots of friends. But typically, you do have someone. There's someone around you're with and so like it's I just for me having a female character that didn't have like 
that best girlfriend around somewhere, even if it was a complicated relationship if we're just in school together, but the fact that she was so isolated did feel weird. Well, and I think that, I think that that sort of, you know, as, as it goes on, sort of plays into, into the thing, because all three of these characters are kind of isolated in their own way. You know, like she is somebody that, uh, you know, I, I would guess that like her best female friend is the other brainy girl whose name I, Stacy, thank you. Um, you know, I imagine like she and Stacy, like hang out a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, and like, you know, do their homework together, whatever the hell kids do. I don't know. Um, They go to the movies and they go to the mall. Were you a kid? (laughs) (laughs) Unclear. Uh, but... I also don't... Well, I mean, also, I don't know what you do as a kid in Texas. I understand I you go to Dairy to Queen a lot. I don't to either of you. Oh, God. You don't go to Dairy Queen until you're older. No, you like definitely you go to hang, Dairy Queen I mean, you do, all the time. You, you get you a blizzard, kids. they turn it upside down, and if they don't, then you get that shit for free. Oh, we did that somewhere that's else, right. but Dairy don't want to name That's names. right, Dairy Queen employees. Like, if you're not turning up your blizzards upside down, the fuck are you doing? And Dairy Queen Corporate, if you're listening... Come on, that's like the best marketing gimmick. Anyway, this is all I know about like growing up in Texas. And this yeah, is Texas stop sign mom. is the DQ. Don't worry about it. But yeah, you, I don't know. You go to the mall. You go to the movies. You go outside because you, you, you live in a beautiful place that's beautiful year round. No, you oh, wait, mostly yeah, yeah. No, you go to the mall and you go to the movies in the summer because Texas is creeks. hotter than than fucking. It's so hot in the summer. Oh, and here okay. you go. You go. Like, you, go to you go from air conditioned place. You run out to your. You run through the heat to your air conditioned car. You turn on that car. You you know you sit there in 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 pain for a while as it as it cools down. Then you drive to another place. You get out of your air conditioned car. You run across the hot hot pavement to like the air conditioned mall or movie theater or arcade or whatever. See here, you know, why would you do homework after school and you're hanging out with someone? That's a big waste of sunlight hours. Like go climb a tree, go hiking somewhere, go running, go ride your bike, go live a beautiful outdoor life because homework is that thing you do when the sun's gone down if you had dinner and you're trapped inside and your parents won't let you go have fun. Like Yeah, and, and that and that might have happened for other out. folks in Texas. Like I came home and like would then do my homework so I could play video games. That was my childhood. I'm not saying that that was the stereotypical Texas childhood because I will definitely not not make that I'm not saying that Texas doesn't get hot, but I am saying I know this guy and he is a delicate flower about anything above 75 degrees. That's only only happened since I've moved out here for so long. I have become a complete pansy when it comes to weather. That's because anything above 75 degrees, we were all meant to die. Yeah, no, I, I, when I was, when I was, when I was a teenager, I wouldn't even turn the air conditioning on in my car. Until it got to triple digits, because I'm like, there's no point. I it's agree. 98, it's fine. This is all terrible. You were all... Ugh. I, Wait, I'm just saying, like, yeah, but no, I think you're right. I think her and Stacy probably, that's probably her best connection. Right, and I think, but I, th- I I think at the same time, and, and I think, you know, we all sort of had these friends that, you know, you'd be like, we hang out sometimes yeah. occasionally, we we have, like, this activity together, or whatever, we're on this team, or, or whatever, you know, we do these things, but then when something, like truly weird and in this case like this is a truly weird thing that kind of comes up you know she's like am i gonna bring it to her because she's she like me is super practical and if i hadn't seen this with my own eyes i might be like no you're you're fucking crazy and so she goes to like the the one guy that she's like okay maybe he at the very least will be like okay i don't know if i believe you but i'm not gonna discount you just out of hand 
And I imagine it's also hard when you with Stacey thinking, is this the person that will help me break into someone's house? Right, yeah. She also seems like sort of a goody-two-shoes type of person. So, you know, and, you know, as, as Susan does, and, and I think, you know, she acts, you know, initially out of desperation to try and what, get the note back, I think. Yeah. And then everything else is just a, like, is a reaction to, oh, God. Which, like, yeah, which if I, I hadn't seen this, I would say, like, this is ridiculous. But I did see it. I appreciate I how, how much of her, her actions are reactions. That so mm-hmm. much of it is, she's like, okay, I have this situation. What do I do? I don't know. I'm going to do this. Oh, man. New information. Reacting to that. Because I feel like that's very real. Everyone likes to think they have the plan for when the aliens attack. But we don't. We don't have that plan. you got to react. Do you know who you'll call when you need to break into an alien's house, Emily? Oh, yeah. Actually, me and my coworkers already worked this out. <laughs> I got a whole thing. But... For breaking into alien houses? Over breaking into alien houses? Yeah. No, I call you. You're the only person I know who's taken actual lock picking classes. <laughs> That's true. What? And no, actually, no, I'm not. No, that tracks. That, that, that 100% You know tracks. several people who have taken lock picking classes. That's probably true. I just can't yeah. out them to you. That's fair. Well, I'd still call you. I trust you. Okay. For illegal activities. <laughs> We're not calling you, Alex. Fair enough. No, I could be the worst person to call. Why would I be the worst person? I don't know. Well, maybe not the worst. Yeah. But like... <laughs> Do you have any, like, breaking-in skills? I have a truck. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) Fine, we'll call you. Get away. Well, I mean, I don't know any aliens whose house I'm gonna break into. I don't know. I guess I need... You're right. I could call you, because I feel like you'd hold me back sometimes. I feel like sometimes... No, I wouldn't! Not you! Him! Oh, yeah. (laughs) You'd hold both of us back, because I'd be like, I almost knocked down the door with an axe. Who cares if they know we're here? We'd be like, Alex, we need your truck to drive it through the door of the house. Does that sound fine? Mm. Because I'm not going to drive my beautiful car through it. Mm-hmm. No, that tracks. I'm on board. <laughs> Ratings? <laughs> Ratings. All right. Alex, let's start with you because you have beautiful hope and we don't end on hope on the show. Uh, <laughs> I give this... What are we doing? Out of 10? Out of 10. Out of 10. Um, I give this one... I'd say 8 to 8.5. Uh, you have to pick. It's an 8, which is a gentleman's 8.5. So, <laughs> but Explain uh, that inflation. Nope. Uh, so... I really, really enjoyed uh, reading this book again. The only reason that I, I, I don't give it a 10 is is for, you know, like, Kid Me would be like, no, 12 out of 10, so fuck you guys. And then he would laugh at saying fuck. Because I want to see where it goes. I want to see the next steps. I, uh, I want to see the, the progression of the story. Having, having read it again realizing like oh yeah no there's a there's there's a whole lot of time spent in this book establishing everything that said it was a very quick read uh, and i'm not a quick reader but it just flew by i really liked it i would recommend it to to kids nowadays too all right i'm gonna give it a 6.5 um for me basically i think my writing comes from the fact that i enjoyed it i really loved it as a kid But as an adult, I didn't feel it quite as engaging. I feel like this is a book I would still recommend for kids. I think it's a super fun read. I would definitely think that they would enjoy themselves with it. I feel like it has less of a rereadable factor for adults than I expected. So if you're a fan of it, you know, I don't necessarily need to pick it up again. But if you really were a fan, if you do pick it up, I would say read the whole series. Um, I think that's something I'm going to do because I feel like this book doesn't stand as well on its own as I expected, but I imagine as a set, I'm hoping it does. Um, so I'm going to say 6.5. Yeah, I'm going to give this book a 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots I'm fired. Sorry, but here's some real talk. I actually read this book 
weeks ago. That's Maybe true. Maybe like two months ago. We All were originally going to read this book and then Alex said he wanted to do the show with us, at which point we had to read a new book suddenly. So I read this book maybe two months ago and I came to reread it because... I remembered literally nothing. Nothing about this book stuck with me. I could not remember one thing. I picked it back up and I was like, surely I won't have to reread it. Let me just skim it because I remembered stuff and then I could not remember a single thing. Not one thing. Nothing about this book stuck with me. And that is why I'm giving it a three. Because it really, really did not resonate with me. And if my nephews came up to me and they were like, hey, I'm reading this book I got from the library. I'd be like, have you seen Percy Jackson? (laughs) So I am sorry. And if you guys loved it, and if you have any sort of nostalgia for this book because you read it when you were younger, like, read it again. These two seem to really love it still. (laughs) And um, I guess if you're super into aliens and, like, quick reads and you're a child, I wouldn't, like, knock it out of your hands. But just, like... I personally did not have an attachment to this book. I'm really excited that someday we will reread a book that will hit our yes on the will I knock it out of a child's hand scale. We haven't gotten there yet, but like I'm anticipating we will and I'm excited for that day. Yeah, that's always my go-to. Like, would I literally knock it out of your hands? (laughs) Well, we know a three won't get us there, so... No, it's three. It's not the word. Like I said, I didn't hate the characters or think it taught bad lessons exactly although some of the sexist jokes i was like really that's the joke you're throwing in but yeah it did not stick with me and when i had to reread it i kind of had a little bit of dread like oh i have to read this again (laughs) which isn't a good sign i'm just saying three sticking with it all right so those are our ratings this week uh if you read this book if you've read this book recently or in the past uh let us know we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on it uh, we can be reached at throwbackbookstack at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at throwbackbspod. And by us, I mean me. Um, I do pass things along to Emily, but she does not social media. <laughs> uh, I also want to give a shout out to, we've got some, a lovely email from Victoria Luna, who gave us some really fantastic suggestions for books to read and that we should look at covering in this podcast. Um, I don't think either of us have read them, and we are excited to check them out because they sounded really fun no i had not and i was very excited i love book recs so that was amazing i love getting that email it made my whole day so if you have recommendations we love them and also um i want to give thanks to we got two new itunes reviews so if you like our podcast if you got this far um review us on itunes we would love nice reviews they make us feel happy they bring joy to our lives where we have so little uh if you didn't like this podcast i can give you recommendations for other podcasts don't hate listen just just there's so many beautiful podcasts out there. Um, but I want to say thanks to Laser Soup, who gave us a fantastic, lovely review. And also, along with Claire, you two are both the best. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, our music this week is Heartbreaker by Jazar at betterwithmusic.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another book, uh, The Witch at Blackbird Pond. We might even still have Alex in the room. He just might not leave for the next two weeks, so you'll have to find out. See you again in two weeks, and thanks for listening. This is where I sing the outro music. It's sadder.
another book is done. (laughs) Read time is over now. Go home. (laughs) Right? Right? The outro music? Someday I'm going to lock you in a room and make you listen to this podcast. (laughs) 